Welcome back to the Nomadic Gregors podcast. I'm Anna. I'm Cameron. This season, remember, we are focusing on all things international education. And today we're going to spend all of our time looking at how to apply for jobs. So we'll be talking about some of the most relevant international education agencies around the world and how they can help you in your recruitment efforts. Ooh, indeed. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to use one of these agencies, but um, I would say the majority of applicants do based on our experience. Uh, you know, we don't have, the, these agencies are, are not really willing to give out and schools aren't really willing to give out numbers because uh, it doesn't benefit anyone. So uh, we are, most everyone we know who is an educator uses a service for the most part. So I guess that we could start by establishing whether you actually need to do this 100% to um, secure a job at an international school. Technically, no, but in practice, what we've seen is that it's a lot more effective and you are seen as a much more trustworthy candidate, a more vetted candidate if you are a member of an agency that has already verified your references, has already checked that your credentials are up to date, and so on. So in our experience, what we've seen is that international schools tend to prefer recruiting through agencies or at least candidates that have been vetted through by an agency. Yeah, I mean, either way, uh, especially, but especially if you're not using an agency, your emails to schools can get pretty lost in a sea of other emails from other candidates, especially if it's a you know well-known school with a, and it's in high demand, as well as if you teach in a low-demand subject, say English or social studies or PE, versus the maths and sciences of the world, who are the rock stars of teaching because that's what everyone wants. Um, so you don't necessarily need one, but as Anna said, it does provide a way of verifying your references. You already it's sort of a new system with a lot of these uh, agencies in that you can now just upload everything at once to an application. That didn't used to be the case. It used to be you would upload everything to the agency and then sometimes the schools would make you upload everything again to their website. And it was all really a big pain. Uh, it's, it's gotten a lot easier in the last few years, especially I think with COVID. Um, but the other important thing that is nice with this is some of these agencies help provide background checks, uh, whether that's the country you've been in, and whether that's just the US or other countries, which can be more difficult to obtain if you don't do it before you leave. And sometimes even if you do, they're sealed and you don't quite know how to open them and upload them. Does that make them no longer valid? And so some of these agencies are pretty helpful in helping you obtain those, provide services for a fee, of course, to get those background checks done and upload them from every place you've ever lived. Before we go any further, please remember to like, subscribe, and follow. Leave you your comments. Leave you leave us our comments in our social platforms, YouTube or Spotify. Share with a friend or anyone that you know that might be interested in teaching abroad and doesn't quite know how to start. Just lead them to season two, episode one so that you can get a whole blueprint on how to approach international teacher recruitment. Remember that we are also on Instagram at Nomadic Gregors if you want to see more of the life and travels side of thing and what you can possibly do in your downtime as an international school educator. Also, in full disclosure, we are members of one of the agencies that we are going to discuss, and it's the agency that we have um, 
recruited with for the past 10 years. We've attended multiple recruiting events with them. Specifically, that agency is Search Associates. However, our video and our recommendations are based on our personal experience and are not representative of the opinions of Search Associates at all. Yeah, um, so we use Search Associates. I, I, I like them. I think they do a great job. So it's, that's sort of where we'll start. Um, we'll start with Search Associates. Is there anything else we need to talk about before this? Yes, what do you need to set up a candidate profile uh, okay. in basically any of these? Then let me say this. One of the reasons, like, we do like Search Associates. Um, and so before we can, we can talk about some other things first, but I just want to say I view Search Associates sort of like I view my Xbox in the sense that I could get a PlayStation, but everything, all the money I've spent, all the time I've spent is invested into the Xbox. And for us, all the time, all of our references, our resumes, everything is invested in Search Associates. We'll talk about some other job placement companies that are really great from what we've read and heard. Um, but for us, it's just a matter of, well, all of our eggs have sort of been in this basket for a while and it doesn't make sense for us to switch. In, in other words, you have kind of a history of recruitment built with the agency that you choose. So that's something to take into consideration when you decide on an agency is that whenever you renew or reactivate to start a new recruitment cycle, you'll have to update your references and your credentials. So there is it's, it's a little bit like an online resume in the historical sense of things because recruiters will be able to see your information and um, what people in different stages of your career have said about you in terms of reference. So it's something to keep in mind. You build up on what you have on one candidate profile. So if you moved agencies every time that you're looking for an international school job, it would mean starting over. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, they, well, as we get into search, for example, I'll talk about a few things that they've gotten rid of that would make it easier to transfer to another company. But um, we'll come back to that in a little bit. So let's talk first about uh, what happens when you apply to any of these. So for a lot of these companies, it, it does just because you've been accepted doesn't mean you're going to get hired. Absolutely not. So one of the things that, generally speaking, international education recruitment agencies are very clear on is that they do not guarantee job placement. And in many cases, some agencies do direct connections between candidates and schools, but for the most part, it's on you to be proactive and reach out to schools. It's on schools to be proactive and reach out to you. However, at least in our experience with Search Associates, what we have learned is that if the agency doesn't see you as likely to get interviews and be competitive, they will not accept you. So if your experience is not relevant, if you don't have experience that counts, if you're not a certified teacher, it's possible that you might not get accepted for a recruitment cycle because these agencies are selective. They want to put out a candidate pool that really fits the demands of the schools that are recruiting through them and that doesn't put a school in a position of wanting to hire someone that say might not be eligible for a work visa in the country where they're going yeah and so before we get any further too we did say whether you need uh, to be with an agency or not and while it does help one of the best ways uh, to get a job internationally is through the grapevine uh, inter international education is a vast machine but at the same time it's an incredibly small world 
you're almost always likely to find someone when you go to a new school, oh yeah, you know this person, I worked with them three years ago. Um, and you know, if you go to Facebook or Instagram or wherever, and you follow someone at your new school, they follow you, you'll find that you have some mutual friends uh, between the two. And so being able to have those connections, like virtually any job in the history of modern uh, industry, those connections play an exceptionally important role in learning about job openings. Um, your friends at a new school might be able to get your resume or your email to the top of the list, say, talk to their admin and say, hey, look, my friends are considering applying, be on the lookout for their email. Um, so keep that in mind as well. But this are, the agencies do supplement that with the background checks. They have everything you need, your resume, everything right there. On that note too, when it comes to networking and finding who you know, leveraging your network, international schools, anyone you may know, international education, or even friends of your friends or friends of your colleagues or former colleagues of your colleagues, this is the place where the double-edged sword comes in. And yes, having those connections can be very powerful, but if you have burned bridges before, be aware that it can come back to bite you, okay? International education is a small world, and with that comes conversation, with that comes references, with that comes connections that sometimes may not work in your favor, so be careful with burning bridges. Yeah, uh, do you want to talk about DEI? Yeah, so as we said in episode one, one of the things that has been in the forefront of the conversation in international schools in the past three, four years or so, probably earlier, is the fact that international school recruitment and international school teachers are primarily white and primarily from what used to be called first world countries. And so, especially after 2020 with the events um, of the summer of 2020 in the US, um, many international recruitment agencies have put out explicit commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and their member schools have signed or had have or have accepted or have pledged to follow those commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That means some schools are making a more concerted effort to hire a more diverse pool of teachers and also international school recruitment agencies have done away with profile pictures so you're not going to have to upload a picture before you are um, accepted into the agency a picture is not part of your profile kind of to provide that blind recruitment um, experience where schools are really looking at your qualifications and your experience and not so much at the way that you look um, so that has kind of changed the the playing field a little bit and in some ways made things maybe a little bit more even yeah yeah I, I, well I mean it's hard to tell uh, you only really get insight into where you are and so you don't really know how diverse uh, other schools tend to be until you actually get there um, so now we'll talk a little bit about just some of the things that you need initially to get your profile set up, things that you would expect. Uh, you need a resume, and I think we have a video planned, or a podcast planned for a resume at some point. We do. Um, we'll figure that one out because we've never actually added in extra images. So we'll want to show some images of what we think uh, resumes can look like. Um, so that'll be a fun experience for us. Uh, so resumes, you know, again, we'll talk more about that in another episode, but at this point, you've all 
graduated college or about to graduate college or worked before, you know what a resume is. So we won't go into a lot of detail about that. If it is your, if you are fresh out of university and looking to do your first job, um, you may want to add your, your GPA. Well, you know your transcripts. Yeah. Um, so your transcripts, um, and you'll probably have those anyway. But more than that, you'll end up uploading a copy of your degree. Uh, whether that's for me, you know, it's in something that's not education, where I went back and got my degree in education later. So I upload all of those things. And then perhaps most importantly is your teaching certificate. What shows that you are legally allowed to teach in the country where you live. Now, that doesn't always translate into uh, something that works internationally, especially if you come from a country where um, the country itself, where DEI isn't as advanced, I'll say. Um, maybe you come from a smaller Caribbean country some countries may not recognize that license and you may have to apply for or transfer your teaching license to a Western country. Um, sometimes some countries only want teachers who speak English at a native level. That was another one of the things that um, it's been some of the changes that international recruitment agencies have been asking of schools in their job descriptions is to remove that native English speaker kind of moniker from their job um, requirements because it does leave outside a number of people who are extremely fluent in English and can speak it at a native level, can speak it at a bilingual or trilingual level, but are not necessarily mother tongue speakers of English. Case in point, myself. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, some countries are more specific about that than others. Sometimes the school may not sure. have a choice. Yeah. Um, some schools may say, nope, your degree has to be from one of these five countries and that's it. Yeah, so in some places it's an issue of visa restrictions, it's outside of the school's hands, but there are efforts both on the parts of recruiters and schools to kind of make sure that they're trying to be as fair as possible in some of those things that at times may have made um, the international school teaching pool less diverse. So the last and perhaps one of the most important things you need, aside from background checks, um, which is on the list as well, and so we recommend you do that. Um, if you're in the U.S. or somewhere, you can go to your local police station or something. Um, FBI checks are relatively simple to get, relatively, relatively cheap. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of these agencies help with background checks if you've lived in other countries already. But one of the most important things you have to get are references. Yes. Um, letters of recommendation, whatever you want to call it. And unlike, again, in other aspects of the world or even education in the U.S., you know, oftentimes you might ask a supervisor or someone to write a letter of recommendation for you. They may give it to you to look over and they say, yeah, that looks great. Uh, and then they send it and it's conf confidential. In the world of a lot of these agencies, it is 100% confidential. You ask, a, you ask someone to fill out a form for you and it's not usually written. There might be a, a one or two uh, written responses, but a lot of it is just check boxes. Uh, but you don't get to see it at all, ever. Uh, which can be scary, especially if you maybe have gotten on the wrong side of someone uh, and who you're asking for a recommendation, but you might have to ask them. Um, so that can be scary. Uh, it's also scary in the world of international education because we often have to let our schools know that we are leaving well before we have a new job. Um, there might be a, anywhere from a month to a six month, seven month gap 
between when you tell your school you're not coming back and when you actually get a new job. And so there's a period of, can be a lot of uncertainty. So for example, when it comes to asking for references, if you are in the US, for example, where you may not need to let your superiors know that you're not returning until very later in the year because of at will employment, you can always kind of navigate the conversation of getting references as I'm looking for opportunities elsewhere, I'm exploring international education, can you attest to my abilities in a reference, I'll send it to you by email, you send it to the agency, and so on. But of course, you are not directly telling them I'm not coming back because you don't know yourself. You may go through the international recruitment process and decide that it's not for you or that the job offers that are coming are not a good fit for your family, don't make financial sense for you, and you decide to stay home. That can happen. However, in the international school world, you do have to let people know that you are not coming back and ask for a refresh in your references, which means that at that point you are going into the job search process and you don't have a backup. So it's two very different scenarios. If it's your first time around, you are gonna need um, references probably from your assistant principal and your division principal, if it's for example, a high school in the US. Um, if it's a K-12 school, then you need a reference from your head of school. Um, it depends on your division. Sometimes it used to be that you could get references from your team leads and that kind of thing. In most agencies, they're kind of doing away with that. Um, but I got references from team leads before. Um, but the, the go-to should be your immediate superior and your division principal or so on. It really depends on where you are. I, I worked at a school that was small enough that I only had one supervisor. Everyone only had one supervisor. So. I had to work with my agency to, you know, who should I ask based on what's available to me? Because you, most agencies will ask for at least two references just to make sure there's no, you know, funny business, no collusion going on. Yeah, when it comes to um, leadership positions, if you're applying for an administrator, head of school, um, athletics director position, and those kinds of positions, um, there are other requirements for the references that you need, but of course neither of us are administrators. So just make sure that you check when you're completing your profile what references are needed for teachers and what references are needed for administrators because the conditions are different. Yeah, and when and when you do talk to your administrators, your immediate supervisor, your boss, whatever, honesty is always the best policy. Don't don't lie to them. Don't beat around the bush. They may not be happy about it. Um, and the, if it's in already an international school, they usually understand. But if you're somewhere where this idea of turnover isn't common, uh, they may not be happy about it. But at the very least, you're giving them a heads up far enough in advance that they can start looking for and trying to fill that position perhaps sooner. It gives them a leg up on other schools in the area. Um, there used to be two, for example, I'm going to use search associates because that's my experience. They used to also ask for parent references. But they have since done away with that. Uh, I'm not sure why, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier, and parents are, uh, you know, I, I guess it doesn't make sense, especially once you get beyond the the elementary primary level. You don't have the same relationship with parents anyway because you don't see them or teach their children from 7:30 until 3:30 every single day. Um, so with that, I think we'll start talking about some of the agencies. So we're going to discuss. Five? 
in this episode, we're going to talk about... We'll say four and a half. One of them's not really an agency. Fair enough. Okay, but just so you know what we're going into, we're going to be um, discussing search associates, and we'll start there first because it's what we're most familiar with. International School Services, or ISS. TES. What does TES stand uh, for? Teacher Education Services, maybe? I actually can't remember. I thought I wrote it down, but that's okay. We also have Teacher Horizons. And we have... Carney Sando. Oh, okay. I was going to add, um, actually, another one, which is... Tie online. Oh yes, the international is, educator. The international educator, which um, we'll talk about that one. There is another one called Scroll, but it's uh, we'll talk about that with ISS. So yeah, we have used Search Associates for a number of years. Uh, I first registered with them in 2010, I think. No, nine. 2009. No, that's not right. Yeah, because you were hired for 2010. And then things changed. Okay. Anyways, anyway. um, so they were founded in 1990 by a former school administrator who had worked in Morocco, Iran, Iran, because it was you know a different time. Um, and its associates include former international teachers and admin, as do most of these places. To be honest, with the exception maybe of Carney Sando, who goes beyond the world of education. Yes, um, they they do much more. Um, it's very teacher oriented, and. Um, they have lots of candidates. I would say they're probably the biggest agency, but that's just an assumption. I don't have any hard data to back that up. So one of the things that Search Associates tries to do is offer that variety of experiences in international schools, different places to apply to, different sizes of schools, schools of different ages, um, but still kind of with that family feel to the agency itself. Um, the founder, John Maganya, a man with a lot of international school experience, um, then passed the baton to his daughter, Jessica, who was an international school student and graduate. So even though Jessica is not a teacher, she grew up in this world and her family was an international school family. So she brought her business experience into Search Associates to become CEO. But the associates group is rather small um, and they all kind of have their expertise in geographical regions and types of mm -hmm. teaching. So they try to kind of keep it um, kind of with that family vibe, not a giant agency that feels super automatic, which may have its ups and downs, but that is kind of like the spirit that they've tried to bring into the recruitment process for the past 30 plus years. And when you register with Search, you'll be assigned uh, an associate who will deal only with you. I mean, they'll deal with other candidates as well, but um, that is your, your point person for the entire process. Um, now, you know, search in our experience, search won't accept you as a candidate if they don't believe you can get some interviews, at least. They do. You can get on a search usually, sometimes without two years prior experience, but it's becoming harder as more and more schools are not willing to take on a new teacher. Um, it's not impossible, but uh, you just know that, you know, that be mindful of that as you start to register. Don't let that discourage you. On that note, though, Search is one of the few agencies that does work with schools that offer internships. So if you are a new teacher and want an overseas experience, it might be a good place to look for you if you are willing to take an internship position. They are paid internships. I was an intern when I first started and comparably to the prospect of being a student teacher where you don't get paid or being an intern in most other professions in the US where you also don't get paid, it's nice to be a paid intern. So it is a possibility, but 
because schools want experienced teachers and in some places it's just a visa requirement to be able to prove your experience, internships are hard to come by. Yeah, and not every school. It's a school-by-school school case on who uh, who does internships, who wants them. The majority of schools don't, just FYI. Um, but there are some really good ones that do. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, Search also has a first time abroad virtual fair this year. It's the first time they've offered this. So if, if you've been teaching in the U.S. for a while. Or Canada or, or Australia yeah, or okay. whatever. Yeah, I use, I use U.S. because that's my experience. Um, then uh, that's you, probably the fair that you're going to get recommended to attend at least at first or maybe the first fair that you try. Yeah. So Search used to recommend their Cambridge Fair in Boston as the fair for people that were newer to the world of education or international education. But now with this is a new first time abroad fair, it is a virtual fair. Um, so one of the things to note about Search is it isn't cheap. It is a $300 registration fee per person. 225. 220, okay, I'm way off. <laughs> okay, 225 per person, per candidate. Um, but it is that, an investment. You do get uh, the opportunity to attend a fair for free, but every subsequent fair is an extra cost. Now, uh, Search has fairs, in-person fairs. I think they're doing in-person fairs this year. They are. I don't they're, know they, I this don't year they're doing, doing in-person fairs and virtual fairs. Um, they start this month in November with the um, leadership fair, which is just for administrators. And the last fair is going to be in April. So we'll have a whole episode to dedicated to fairs and what that's like. Um, but the combination now of virtual and in-person offers you a lot of opportunities. The virtual fairs are really flexible. You can keep working. You don't have to take time off. You don't spend any money for travel or hotels. But on the other hand, the in-person fairs, um, you get a chance to see face-to-face -face and really make your case uh, versus just waiting and waiting and waiting to hear back from someone. But you may have to travel. You know, we've been to fairs in Boston, Melbourne, Bangkok. Bangkok. So we've been to three in-person fairs around the world. And lucky enough for us, it, our location worked out because those fairs were available, but they have fairs in Boston. I think they have one in Seattle now. Maybe it's ISS. Maybe. Someone has one in Seattle. But with, their, with the combination of virtual fairs, there's something for everybody. Yeah, so if it's not possible for you or more difficult for you to travel, you can always sign up for virtual fairs, one or multiple, if that's what works for you, since neither you nor the schools are taking time off to um, run virtual fairs. They just have people that are kind of around the clock taking care of interviews and um, shortlisting candidates and that kind of thing. When it comes to the job of the associate, at least on search, like we said, they will not pass your resume directly to a school administrator and say, hey, I have Cameron McGregor who has 10 years of experience teaching fourth grade and I know you have a fourth grade opening. Search won't do that for you. However, they will suggest schools and positions that could be a good fit for you um, based on your qualifications, based on your experience, based on your interests. Um, in in-person fairs, your associate will be there from early in the morning till late at night to check in with you, suggest visit, maybe visit this table on signups, maybe consider this school in this location that you hadn't thought about before. But they it's not a headhunting service, so they're not directly intervening in, 
hey, school in so-and-so place, hire this person or interview this person. That, that part of the service is, that's not part of it. So when we talked at the beginning about whether you need a service or not, and I said your email can get lost in a sea of, or your, you know, you're in a sea of emails. One of the things that searches started doing is using a system called Apply, A-P-L-I. And they started, I think two years ago, was initially when they started. Um, and so it used to be you would go on search and you would simply email the school via search or you could email them via you know their own school website and it all kind of amounted to the same thing. School rec or search recommended you email through their agency, um, but it didn't seem to provide any real benefit um, as the school is at that point would still then ask you, all right, please come to our site, put in your information, and then we'll go from there. There was a lot of overlap in the application process. And so with Apply, now not every school on search uses it. Um, what it is is it basically condenses your candidate, your profile, into a readable format and it emails the school on your behalf. There's our cuckoo clock, sorry. <laughs> Forgot about that. Should turn that off next time. Um, so it, I'm just gonna wait. Okay. Oh, that one's short. Yeah, well, that's the time of day. Right. So it emails the school on your behalf with everything, you know, your resume, resident, resume uh, all of those fun little things that schools need in order to assess your uh, viability for whatever position you're applying. Um, so the apply system is pretty nice, but again, not every school uses it. Well, one last thing about not just search, but all of these schools or these agencies is they have information about the schools from student populations in terms of who makes up the populations, size of the school, um, salary ranges, potential savings, uh, medical, all of that stuff. But the agencies themselves don't maintain that. It's on the schools to maintain that. So you have to keep in mind that a school may not update those all the time. So you may see, oh, I can save $25,000 a year. Maybe not anymore. Yeah, so make sure that you check on school profiles when you're looking at um, the information that they provide on search. Check when it was last updated um, and see if there are any additional notes that have been made. Sometimes schools will make clarification notes um, depending on currency fluctuations or changes in the local laws or anything like that or what happens after your first two-year contract with certain benefits. So check for those things when you're looking at the school profile so that you can get uh, an idea of the compensation package as accurate as possible. You shouldn't be asking compensation questions on the first interview. Please no. don't do that. No. Um, so that, that sort of wraps up Search Associates. Um, again, we recommend this agency simply because we've used it, but it doesn't mean these other ones are not uh, as good either. So that leads us to International Schools Services, ISS. Let's just do one. I just wanted to add one last okay. footnote to our experience with Search. That being said, yes, we are. We can speak more about them because it's been our personal experience. But that being said, in every recruitment cycle that we've done with search, at least one of us has walked away with a job offer. That's true. That's true. Whether in person or virtual. Yeah. So ISS, as it's more colloquially called, um, has been around for a while as well. Founded in 1955. It's older than search by a fair bit. Uh, and we have a number of friends that use this one as well. We have personally never used it, but they, you know, they have about 800 schools in their portfolio. I'm not sure how many Search has. 
Um, I'm not sure either. Probably at least that many. Yeah. Um, search does say that they, on average, help about 3,000 teachers get jobs each year. Um, and ISS has about similar numbers. And when you look at the job fair calendar, which we will talk about more next episode, very often ISS fairs and search associates fairs are very close in the calendar. So schools can plan around that for in-person fairs and they'll go to one first and the other after. Yeah, a lot of candidates don't have profiles with different agencies, whereas schools will be across agencies just to maximize, know, their, maximize their chances. Their, yeah. So one of the things that I do like about ISS is they led the way in virtual fairs. They started doing virtual fairs well before the pandemic. Way before it was cool. Back in, <laughs> I want to say 2015 is when they first, I remember them first having uh, a virtual fair. It may have been earlier. Yeah. I had friends that went and did a virtual fair and they loved it. Um, they never, I don't know if they've ever actually been to an in-person fair with ISS. They've only ever done the virtual fairs. While everyone else is sort of scrambling to catch up to figure out how to really run these in-person fairs or these in-person, these virtual fairs in the sort of same efficiency, with the same efficiency. One of the things that does characterize ISS and makes it kind of a broader agency is that they do have a lot more um, investment in running and managing international schools. So not only do they work on teacher and recruitment, but they also establish international schools across the world, especially in Asia. In fact, ISS has an Asia Pacific office that is attached to Sheko International School in Shenzhen, which they helped establish and manage for a number of years until the school was viable. So not only do they have experience in staffing schools, but also in managing them. Now they're also offering um, supply services for schools. So a lot of the resources that schools um, may get could be coming through a supplier like ISS. So they do a lot more than some other agencies, which means that their um, their associates or their specialists may have a different perspective and may also be um, recommending positions in newly established schools or schools that they're helping manage. So I don't know what ISS looks like this year. Um, for a while they were on their own and then they teamed up with, a, with another placement company called Scroll, which was essentially an earlier version of what search uses now they apply where you would put in your information and it would get sent out to schools. But this year they split again. Yes. Um, so Scroll runs its own, uh, own recruitment agency while ISS again is working independently. So, uh, you know, again, we, we are not registered with ISS, so we can't comment too terribly much on what the internal workings of what registering looks like or contacting schools, but I imagine it's probably quite similar. From what we've heard search. from colleagues that our registered candidates with ISS, the process, the fair experience, and the candidate profile information is very similar. So I think uh, one of the things, well, I think the next one we'll jump onto really quickly is maybe Carney Sando. Yeah. Um, just because I've only ever heard of this being used once, uh, and it doesn't specialize in education. They do everything. Uh, it, it is more of a niche agency. Um, Carney Sando was founded in 1977. And the way that we started hearing about Carney Sando was because some international schools were using them for their higher profile searches, meaning their searches for head of school, their searches for school superintendent. Um, Carney Sando only works with independent schools, so nonprofit, charter schools, non-public schools around the world. They do 
unlike ISS and Search Associates, refer you to schools that they see could be a good fit for you. So they they do a little bit more in terms of connecting candidates and schools um, directly. And again, I actually wasn't aware that they do K-12 teaching recruitment until I started researching for this episode. We know them more for the high-level admin recruits, but same as others, not everyone that signs up is accepted. You actually have to do an interview to be accepted as a candidate with Carney Sando. Um, but it is free. So in that regard, um, if you are willing to have maybe a bit more of a strict recruitment process and want to take advantage of the no fee and the more direct connection with schools, maybe Cardi Sando could be um, a good fit for you. But again, we can't speak about their teaching recruitment practices because we personally don't know anyone who's a teacher who's been recruited through Carney Sando. Um, we've only seen them use as head of school searches, superintendent searches, and so on. Yeah, we've uh, yeah we've never really met anyone who uses Carney Sando. I've only ever heard of a school using it once. Um, so uh, the next one is TES, um, which I, I thought I wrote it down, but I can't. TES, uh, just generally what it's referred to, I think, believe it's Teacher Education Services. Um, they work with around 25,000 schools in more than 100 countries, according to their site. Um, but they do focus primarily on British schools and schools with British national curriculums, um, or IB, depending, which is uh, it is a British program, but is used pretty widely amongst international schools, at least at the secondary level for high school, and to a lesser extent, the primary and the PYP, and then to an even lesser extent, the middle school with the NYP. Um, it has, this website has lots of advice for teachers that are going abroad, but again, a lot of this is the from the perspective of uh, British hirees, hirers, um, and British uh, candidates. Candidates, okay. So it's not perfect, maybe for everyone. And some of the information, uh, it's appreciated that they have it, but it's not super in depth and super detailed. Um, they have a number of schools that focus on leadership um, and. They, you know, the schools from the school's perspective itself, they do look to hire candidates. Um, they have a large resources page. Again, um, the site itself, we've again, we've never used it. I don't know anybody who uses it. Some of the links are broken, and some of the pages aren't always up to date. The information um, didn't seem great for me from a teacher perspective. Um, they offer some location guides, which the other agencies do not. But you can find better resources for that online, whether it's uh, TAILS, whether it's ISR, International Schools Review. Or even on school websites themselves, their recruitment guides, which most international schools put together, will have um, a few pages at least about the location and the lifestyle that you can expect to have. Yeah, or you know, use a cost of living guide like um, Numbio. Num Numbio, and there's another one too, I can't remember. Um, but you know, for all the things you can Want to go and, I think is the other one. All the things you want to go and see and do, whether it's to go out in the city, you can just look on TripAdvisor for that. Or Reddit. Or wherever. Um, registration with them is free. And um, they have, again, they have lots and lots of schools. So you have lots of opportunities, but um, you may need to have a background in British education, which, for those of you who know, can be very different from the American one. It is a bit more. Uh, Structured. Structured and maybe memorization-based. Um, 
based on what we know. From my perusing their schools list, there weren't as many what there weren't as many of what schools would call tier one schools or what teachers would call tier one, which is a subjective term. Um, more of what you'd see is, is tier two schools. There were some tier ones, but overall there weren't as many school names that I recognized in the international world uh, of education. So that is to say, um, if you are um, in the recruitment process and you run into a school that is either new or that is um, not many years old, you should keep in mind that if it's not a school um, that has a lot of experience or where the teacher turnover is high, you may be in for a rougher around the edges experience. So keep that in mind. Yeah. So uh, again, if you're British or, or educated in the British style system, then that could be a great fit for you, especially if you want to work at a British school. Um, but if you're coming from the American side, maybe it's not your top choice. Probably not. No. So that leads us to another one, which is relatively new, called Teacher Horizons. I'd never heard of this one until, I don't know, three months ago. Um, it was only founded in 2011. And like these other agencies, it is made up of a team of international educators, as well as some people that are not educators who help run the website and things like that. Uh, if I remember correctly, a lot of them were also British. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that we did like about Search is they have people from around the world. Search doesn't have a set base of operations. They don't have an office that you can go and visit and call. It is a remote. Yeah, the idea is that their, their staff works remotely and works internationally, just like you do as a teacher. Uh, but uh, Teacher Horizons looked great looking at the website. They say they have 3,400 schools with their database. I saw some really nice ones on there. Yes. Um, what we would definitely call tier one schools. Absolutely. Um, and they partner with some large schools, uh, such as Dulwich, uh, Nord Anglia, which if you are familiar with international schools in the British system, Nord Anglia is everywhere. Yeah, they, they are expanding. Like the last ten years, they are expanding um, rapidly. ESF, uh, Educational Schools Foundation, English Schools Foundation, English Schools Foundation. Sorry, Jim's uh, has a number of schools around the world. Uh, Even some in the U.S. Actually, yeah, I think so. In Chicago, there's one, and I think in L.A. there's another. Maybe Atlanta too, but some of their bigger presence pre presence is in uh, Asia. Yes, and, and the Middle, Middle East, East. Um, particularly in, in countries that. You might you might say, oh, maybe I don't I don't want to go there, like Kazakhstan, which could be a great location. I'd go to Kazakhstan, um, and uh, UWC, which is United World College. They are another huge system, have some great schools, uh, particularly one in Singapore. Uh, I think there's one in Thailand. There is, and I'm sure there's one in China. There's one in Beijing. There are, I think, a few in China. Um, if I remember correctly, there's one in um, either outside Guangzhou or outside Chengdu, one of the two. Anyways, uh, another one I'm not sure they partner with is QSI, which is Quality Schools International, which have, again, tons of schools around the world. A lot of schools in Central Asia, Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, so like some, like some unlike Search and unlike ISS, um, but like Teacher, but like TES or Connie Sando, it is free. But they do want two years of experience for you to register. And there will be an interview process where you will have a face-to-face -face interview with one of their uh, associates or agents. I'm not sure what term they really use. Uh, to de decide and look at your, the viability, viability of you working at an international school. Um, you know, uh, it seems like it could be a good option 
for those of you that are coming into education and something that we would consider as well using yeah. uh, when it's time for us to go back out. Yeah. And so today, before we finish up, um, we did want to touch base on, again, the advantages of disadvantages and of trying to do this on your own without the structure of an agency. Um, and one of the things that we have noticed is that, and especially if you're doing this. Hmm. Sorry, one last, we do want to talk about TIE Online. Oh yes, TIE. So, TIE Online, um, it's more of a newsletter. You can find information, news about schools. They actually put out, or they used to put out a print paper. Yeah, if, uh, if you're in an international school, you may have seen it in your school's front desk. Um, but yes, you can also subscribe to the online edition. Yeah, I, I don't know if they print, do it print anymore with COVID. Um, but they also have uh, job listings. You yes, can find all kinds of job listings available. Now, I don't think you can apply through there. Um, I actually think you can. Yes, you can. Been, I have applied through jobs. Uh, it's been a while since we've had to look. But um, you, uh, um, you do need to have the membership um, to, like the, to the subscription to the newspaper. Yeah, it's like 30 bucks. It's very manageable. Um, if you're just looking at, if you're not sure if you want to leave or you're not sure you want to go abroad, 30 bucks is manageable. Take a look, see what schools are out there. Um, get online, research a few places, see what maybe looks interesting to you. TIE is also a great place to read more about best practices in international schools. If you're not sure that the curriculum is the way that you're expecting international schools, it's a great place to learn what international schools are doing to innovate, what the leadership style um, priorities are, and so on. And of course, you do have teacher contributors from time to time explaining their experiences. There's um, reviews of professional development opportunities, and so on. So TIE is a great resource, yep. and I actually have used their job search service many, many, many moons ago. And yeah, it is fairly self-explanatory, maybe not as slick as other platforms, but it is there. All right, so uh, you were wrapping us up. Yeah, so one of the things that we think that you should keep in mind is that over time, after the first time that you complete a profile in a recruitment platform and so on, it gets a lot easier. Unlike having to start from scratch, which is what you would do if you were doing this on your own, next time around, you'll probably just have to update your references, change the year in your current job and so on. So it does simplify the process to an extent, if you go about it on your own, especially now with platforms like Apply, um, which allow you to kind of just connect your profile to the position and that's pretty much it. When you're doing this school by school, you have to prepare tailored materials, individualized indiv uh, materials. Sometimes you have to record videos, answer specific questions. So applying for a national school's jobs and applying for any job is a time-consuming endeavor. So you're doing this while you are keeping your full-time job. You are doing this while you have your regular family life and your regular social life. If you can have a social life as a teacher, kudos to you. But <laughs> get the support that you can. It's easier to do it with a supporting platform behind you. It can be done on your own, but honestly, we don't recommend it's it. It's a work. lot harder. It's more work. Um, but again, you know, if you know people in international schools, contact them and let them know that you're looking. And it's a great way to get a foot in the door that uh, even <clears throat> veteran teachers might not have if they don't know somebody at the school they're looking at. I was uh, just thinking about how to how to think about this in a simple way. Think about it as getting 
a blue check mark in your social media profile. It's not the same if you're a verified account than if you're not a verified account. So when a school in the international school world sees that you are with an agency, there is a level of legitimacy that that brings and it puts you a little bit for, um, closer in the, to the front of the line. So that pretty much wraps us up for this episode. We don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, make sure you stay tuned in and listening. So uh, next time we're going to be talking about, I don't remember what's our on set. Do you remember? Finding jobs and, and how we actually use some of these, uh, um, these agencies. But I think maybe before that is we'll talk about resumes. Yeah. I think that would be a good one for us to talk about next. And um, we'll go from there to finding jobs. And then I believe fairs. We spent some time talking about fairs, whether it's virtual, in person, we've done a ball and uh how to prepare for how to for prepare one. and how to go about uh finding a job at an online or an in-person fair so, it is a roller coaster of a process so we'll we'll explain it in detail so that you can know what to expect stay tuned for an episode on resumes coming up next week and uh we'll see you next time links to all of the agencies that we discussed today are going to be in the description box on youtube or on our website now we'll see you next time